Welcome, Pathfinders, to Find the Path Podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Now with one dead genie. Now with another yeah. dead genie. That was a rough <laughs> fight. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm sitting here looking at my character going, huh, I'm down 100 hit points. Hmm, yeah, this was a rough fight. Yeah, I'm, d I'm down quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> I'm down zero hit points. Business as usual. Yep. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> New scars to add to our, like, overlapping groups of scars. So, yeah, when last we left our heroes, the doorkeepers of the Duat, still deep inside of the Guardian Vault, had reached the Pharaoh's Vault, wherein they had been confronted by the Black Johnny Agazaberry. Yeah, she sucked. Not a fan. Not a fan. Who uh, commenced wrecking face. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Basically. But we killed her. It's true. After a, a long and grueling battle involving crazy amounts of damage and bleeding criticals and indoor sandstorm thing, which I think is the third time that that's happened to you guys. There's a theme in this this yeah. part of the dungeon. Really starting to, to dislike sand. <laughs> it does get everywhere. It's it coarse, coarse. It gets everywhere. Yeah. We are exfoliated for the gods. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You'd uh, had a long, grueling fight with the Black Johnny Agasberry, eventually coming out victorious, although uh, not without being badly injured in the process for almost everyone in the party. I think even Jashura was a little uh, injured during that fight, still accompanied by Jashura. Am I still touching her? No, unless okay. you want to be. I am not injured at all. Sudi gets back 21 from my healing hex. Okay. Citra's going to have to come in closer for a chance. All right. Pause Pause for healing two minutes into the episode. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose to uh, to set the scene to get you guys back in. I'm imagining all of you are re-entering the room since uh, everyone fled the room during the sandstorm except for Citra. Yeah. Brave, brave Citra. Brave, brave, yep. brave, brave. Oh, but I'm not a knight. No, you would still be a sir if you were knighted. Brave, 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 brave Sir Citra. <laughs> yes. <I love> it. <laughs> Maybe you can become a knight when you go join Falto and travel around Taldor or something. <laughs> go to Taldor and become a knight. <laughs> now that Masika has exhausted all of her spells and uh, a wand, or like burned a couple charges on a wand and uh, burned through another scroll, I uh, believe the party is back up at full. Huzzah! And so now I'll set the scene. Following the fight, though, I assume that uh, Hollis, Masika, Jasura, Sudi, you make your way back in, rejoin with Citra. Again, the, uh, the room that you'd had this fight in is this large circular room, about 30 feet circular, with a set of steps leading up that you've come down from that were flanked by two twin statues. And as you made your way down, there's a... Well, now there's just dust everywhere. Again, it was more of a windstorm and all the rest of that. The room reeks of this ozone smell from the blast of lightning and this waist-high wall bisects part of the room. The walls of the circular chamber are coated with white plaster. A life-size statue of an imposing pharaoh, his stern face deep in contemplation and his hands cradling what appears to be an entire city standing at the far side of the room, of which all of you can immediately recognize as the cold, hard visage of Hakatep. suppose Citra dusts herself off. You all gather back together. Yep. Uh, um, start searching around this room, see what we can find. I would okay. like to search for s secret things. Okay. So sp specifically, where are you searching for secret things? I'm, I'm searching the walls to see if there are any secret passages. Okay. 
Citrus searching the walls. Uh, Hollis, you want to check the statue? Yep, I've detected magic on the little city. Okay. Masika, you would like to... I'm also going to search the room. I mean, I guess okay, I'll detect magic. are you searching magic. the room, the statue? Hollis is looking at the statue, isn't she? Correct. I guess I'll just glance around the rest of the room, like I said, using detective magic. Very well. Jasira will uh, will hang back. Not part of this, like, the group dynamic here. Sudi, what are you up to? Uh, you know what? Since Citrus searching the walls, I'll search the floors. Just see if there's any, like, catches or anything for, like, maybe a basement to this basement. <laughs> Very well. So, Sudi and Citra, go ahead and make me a perception roll. Uh, Hollis, you do not detect any magic, but you can go ahead and make me a perception roll as well. Uh, or an engineering check, if you prefer. Engineering and is uh, better. Masika detecting magic. The only magic you detect in here appear to be a couple of auras of magic on the remains of the Black Johnny Agazaberry. Notably her sword, but as well uh, her ring that's on her left hand. All right, I'll go starting to uh, identify those. Go ahead and bounce me uh, two spellcrafts for that. And Sudi Citra, what did you guys get? Okay, so I roll a six for a 30. Rolled a 19 for a 42. Dang. Okay. Nice. If there's any secrets in this room, Citra, go find them. <laughs> and Hollis, what did you make on your perception? Uh, I rolled a five for a 19. Okay. <laughs> there's a city here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a statue of Hockatep. Sudi's over there just face palming through the mask. Like, <laughs> and Masika, what did you make for your spellcrafts? Uh, I made a 33 for the first one and a 37 for the second one. Okay. Sudi, pacing around the floors here, doing that thing where it's kind of like a Toph in the last airbender where you kind of step yes. and then stomp your foot and like sense the vibration, step, stomp <laughs> your foot, sense the vibrations. Yes. No, you believe the floor is solid. You don't sense anything but solid stone beneath it as you searched around the room. Citra, you do a full circle around the outside of this circular chamber, uh, even checking a little bit behind the statue of Hakatep as you make your way around. No, these walls are solid. The reason for the white plaster in here, you don't know, although it seems to be maybe more of an architectural choice than anything else. It's curious that there are no hieroglyphs in this chamber, although that might be pretty much how the room is designed it's almost like everything in this chamber, the stairs, the circular nature of the chamber, the blank walls, everything is designed to draw your attention fully to the statue of Hakatep. And we are doing our best to look at everywhere around. <laughs> I mean, I tried looking at him, but it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, Hollis, looking over the statue, one, you can immediately recognize this as Hakatep in that the statue's face seems to match the same face as the mask of the forgotten Pharaoh. Ergo, you're going to assume Hakatep. In addition to that, there's something curious about this city. Hmm. You can't quite make out what it is. However, there is one thing that immediately draws your eye, as there are a number of small buildings across, of course, the surface of this. And again, the statue's kind of raised up, so even, even at your higher elven height, you're basically standing on your tiptoes to look down at the city. You would say that it is about two feet in diameter. Mm -hmm. You see that there's about two inch long scarab beetle, very distinctively designed, as it matches the black carapace of the festering Ulnot, mm. the spawn of Rovagug. Oh! You think Cute. this is a depiction of Sothis, however, it doesn't look right. Uh, in fact, you may actually make me a uh, knowledge 
geography, mm. local, geography or local, and may make a knowledge history. Okay, let's go with geography first. I rolled a five for a 24. God, okay. Uh, and a nine for a 27 on the history. I should just be taking 10. I'll do that from now on. With a 24, Olnot is not in the proper location. Hmm. Compared to where he should be based on where the river is running through the city. You note that there are a lot of buildings here that, of course, you don't know. And a lot of buildings that you do know which are not here. So obviously this is a depiction of Sothis from 6,000 years ago. That makes sense. Although, again, Olnot's not in the correct position. Hmm. Masika. Searching the uh, dead body of a Gazabar, you find two things of magic. First off is a large size plus one conductive falchion. Masika hands that to Sudi to throw in the bag of holding. None of us can use that. Well, dang. Okie dokie. The second one, feasibly of much more use to the party, uh, and one of the greatest magic items to ever grace uh, this game, is a ring of freedom of movement. Oh, dang. <laughs> Holy oh. heck. Uh, give it to Sudi. As you kind of pull that off and go... That's why right. that chain spell didn't work. <laughs> I know. And you just really. kind of shove it in your pocket. <laughs> Unless one of you wants to wear it. Um, I think somebody in the front line should wear it because they're going to uh, grab Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I already have a uh, unfettered shirt. Oh, yeah, you have a thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, Sudi makes sense then. Does Sudi have a ring slot? See, well, I have a ring of natural armor and a ring of protection, so that's a problem. Ooh, you have a ring of so natural armor? So I can't wear it. Okay, Kesta uses Amulet of the Mighty Fist. Yeah, because I have Amulet fest. of the Mighty Fist. You gotta change that over to a vest of something. <laughs> I like the well, idea of you all walking outside and then you hear that dinosaur roar and then Sudi just like holds up his hand and slides the ring. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna hit me anyway. At least this way he can't bite me. I mean, I wear a couple amulets. You can switch between them. I mean, it takes time. Well, it's... the problem is, is that I would and it would drop my AC by three. Either way. So I'm kind of like, I like my AC. Although, I mean, if we're fighting the... Uh, uh, the dinosaur is going to be probably a moot point because he's going to hit me regardless. So I guess uh, Sudi will yeah. slip it on, put it on his little pinky ring. <laughs> okay. Nice. His pinky ring. I mean, it resizes, so you can put hey, it on it resizes to whatever you whatever finger you put it on. So, so can you put it on your tail? No, because I don't have a tail slot. In addition to those, uh, Masika, if you want to make me the price check, you may. Uh, around 11 for a 21. Yeah, so you pick up the falchion, the ring of the freedom of movement ring. You look over like Narmer's taken off her pectoral and is like wearing it around his neck now. Look at me. I'm the pharaoh now. That She wasn't the pharaoh. But you can keep that if you want, I guess. Also, from everything we've learned, that's not the symbol of office. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, it is a solid gold uh, pectoral encrusted with uh, almost innumerable gems. Mm -hmm. You honestly can't get a good idea of what this is worth. At least wow. 5,000. Okay, never mind, Armor. That's worth more than a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I'm worth it, right? If you really want it. Look how blinged out I am. Shitra, Shitra. Yes, Narmer. How much is this worth? <laughs> uh, more than you. No, just <laughs> I roll a 13 for a 20. The 20. Uh, yeah, you're going to guess somewhere in the range of 10,000 gold. Oh. Um, why don't you guess? I'm going to say 75 gold pieces. You might need to uh, add a couple of zeros to the end of that. And then some more. And then a little 750,000 gold pieces. Um, a little few, okay. less zeros. <laughs> like, let's uh, see. Uh, 
two more zeros. Two less zeros two, at least. Two less zeros. It's, <laughs> it's about 10,000 gold, give or take. Oh, man. You guys remember when that was like a crazy amount of money? It, it's, it's still, still, still a, a crazy, crazy amount, amount of, money. of money. Okay, sorry. I'm thinking like a ring of protection money now. Hey, uh, Citra, I need your little fingers over here, your little fingies. The scarab's in the wrong place, but I, it might be some sort of trap. You know, you're good with ah, traps. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Citra would like to look over the uh, city in the hand. See uh, if see, it's See, uh, this, this guy's in the wrong place, this little scarab bud. I remember the scarab bud. I took Narmer on the tour of the city. Mm-hmm. Ulnott Jr. here is in the wrong place. Making your way over. Yeah, it's a statue of Hakatep holding a city. That, that's it. You may make a perception roll if you wish to look it over. Yes, that is that is what I would like to do. Um, should I go ahead and add my trap finding to this number? No. Oh. oh well, okay. I think the genie guarding this was the trap. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that trap sprung a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> I roll a 15 for a 33. This is curious. Citra, you look this over. Walk around it a couple times. Reach forward, tap it gently on the underside of this. Again, it's almost like this bowl that he's holding that the top of it is this city. You note two curious things about this. First off, you think that the bottom portion of this is hollow, as if everything underneath the city layer is actually a hollow depression. Like it's a literal bowl with a lid atop of it. Huh. But not where he goes. You can tell that there are several grooves cut into the city streets that allow certain of the model's buildings to be slid back and forth between a number of differing locations. Oh. Much like a sort of block puzzle. It's a, yeah, you gotta Fun. put the city the way it goes. Sweet. I was just worried Sweet. it was a trap or else I would have messed with it more. And I bet you when we get it open, the key, the pharaoh's keys in the bottom of this bowl. I thought the whole city was gonna Probably. be a key. But this is cool. It seems to be some sort of complex puzzle. Like leaning down, looking, casting a light spell, pulling out your magnifying glass, looking down, you can tell that there are scores of infinitely small gears inside Ooh. of this. Okay, now Masika's very interested. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an exceptionally complicated gear-like design, like a puzzle box. You may make me a knowledge engineering. Feasibly, if all of you are crowding around, any of you may. I think um, we help Masika. It's not trapped, uh, but the gear work is beyond my capabilities. Uh, oh, I roll an 18 for a 30 engineering. I super help uh, Masika. I roll a 19 on the die, but I said I was helping Masika, so that's what I'm doing. That's fine. I didn't need any help. I rolled. I didn't know you were over here. My own. I thought you were kicking around the dirt. Well, I finished that. All right. Well, with uh, Hollis's aid, I get a 40. Okay. Nice. So mechanically speaking, looking this over, literally mechanically speaking, in the case of Masika, this is an exceptionally complicated mechanical device. There are three ways of doing this. Way number one, arrange the city in the way that it is supposed to be. Mm. That would, of course, require someone having a historical knowledge of the actual layout of the city. Masika kind of glances over at Jasura, but then looks back at the box. I mean, I have history, really good. Um, looking over towards Jashura, Jashura just kind of looks it over. Maybe it's Sothis. Oh, wow. I was there a couple of times, but that was 60 lifetimes ago now. It's not something I remember particularly well, the street layout. Plus, any time that I was traveling through Sothis, I was doing so in a pagoda. <laughs> Plague Queen and all. I want she a just pagoda. kind of shrugs. <laughs> I 
mean, we got like a floating boat, and you got like camels, and you got a, you know, we can summon a chick. We got, we got options. I know, but a, just a pagoda, like riding around a city in a pagoda, that sounds fun. Well, maybe if we save the whole, like, Osirian, the Ruby Prince will let us ride around on a pagoda in, in Sothis. You know, it'd be real cool. I saw this book once about TN, if we got one of those rickshaws. That looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> so, okay, we can rearrange this. What else could we do? Option number one, rearrange it. Option number two, even just lightly touching some of these, Masika, you can make out the soft click-click sound. Mm-hmm. You think feasibly someone with an appropriate level of knowledge of clockworks or engineering would be able to rearrange this based solely on the clicking sound, much like cracking a safe. Cool. Would that be harder? Because hmm? I have max ranks in both clockwork and engineering. Option number three, you could feasibly attempt to pop off the tiles <laughs> and then someone skilled enough with working with mechanical things could disable back. said device and just effectively attempt to pick it akin to a standard lock. So like when you peel off the stickers of a Rubik's Cube and act like you solved it? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and give you option number four also. Option number four, with enough physical force, you could you feasibly just break this. However, like you don't know if there's anything that that would potentially damage inside of that. You can tell, you know, glancing between you and Citra that there are no traps on this. You can also tell that you have three chances. Okay. Ooh. After the third time, it will lock in place. Well, I already made a 28 on rearranging, so we can just uh, see if my 28 I mean, I, works. I think cracking the safe seems like something that would be probably first bet. Just to if see we if we three can just chances. crack it. Uh, and then second bet, we start popping it off and try to crack it with a uh, disabled device. I'd like to try my rearrange the city roll as one of the options. I mean, Sudi's not going to be any use on any of this, so it's up to you guys. <laughs> dismantling it would be Masika's last. Yeah, I don't really want to dismantle it. It's cool. Dismantling or destroying it. Yeah, dis yeah. Dismantling would probably be Citra's solution because that's basically what she does with traps. <laughs> Why don't we try yeah. rearranging and then click, click, clicking, yeah. click, clicking, which is probably what's going to actually work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Hollis, with your previous knowledge history check, you gently rearrange this again the only way that i could really describe this is it's a large circle circle so it's not like those uh, little puzzles that you get that have like the nine blocks and then one block is missing or whatever and you rearrange and this you move things oh yeah. I, I suck at those these are concentric rings that you oh. rotate back and forth around and then slot in and out it makes me think of the art puzzles in assassin's yeah, creed yeah like brotherhood there's a brotherhood oh, yeah, yeah. that had the ones that were the rings and you had to spin them the right way to line up the picture i think so. yeah kind of like that yeah it was either brotherhood or the third game no it, it wasn't was one the, of the third FCO one it was, it was the second one yeah except for some of these in essence you can spin it around and, and then, then you can it. slide buildings out from one tier and then into another tier where they interconnect together. This is a really cool As you puzzle. rearrange this. Hollis, after spending 10 minutes at this, you reach a point where you think that you've gotten it. As you finally rearrange everything and then slot over Ulnot, there's a whirring sound of clicking and this soft, chittering almost sound of the yeah. tiny teeth of the gears inside of it before all of the buildings move at once and it begins to spin. And then as you step back, waiting for it to pop open, you realize that it reverts to its initial configuration. <laughs> oh. After yeah, 10 I didn't minutes get that of right. moving things around. 
All right. It's pretty Masika, cool, though. Masika's going to try to play this by ear. You said, is one, okay, do I, are they the same DC, but you can use the craft or the intelligent or the knowledge? You can either or use craft or the knowledge, whichever you prefer. But it's the same DC. One same doesn't DC. make it. Okay. Then I'm going to use engineering because that one's a little bit higher. Too bad my disabled device can't help you. Uh, no, but anyone else that has engineering could feasibly like. Oh, I can aid. Oh, I aid automatically. Aid. I aid automatically as well. I take ten. Right. Okay. I'm like, I think I was right about where that was. So Masika leans over this, looks down at it. You know, on one side Sudi, on the other side's Hollis. Both of them cocking their uh, their overly large ears back oh, towards yeah. this. Narmer helps me. So Narmer like six. looms over Masika's <laughs> shoulder as Masika stares down intently, pulls out a little towel, wipes her brow. <laughs> All right, so I rolled a 15, and then with Sudi, Hollis, and uh, Narmer's aid, I get a 47. That's, Gosh, that's, I hope that's that does That's pretty it. dang good. <laughs> that's pretty darn good. With a 47, you click, 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 listen, very, very gently begin rotating this around, trying your best not to, like, focus too much on what you saw Hollis do before. Because you're like, at some point, Hollis missed something, and I don't want to just assume that I'm mimicking the same position. Mm-hmm. Hollis, you eventually see that apparently there was an obelisk. Ah, obelisk. That must have either been torn down or moved at some point, because it's definitely not where it is now. Mm. You are 99% certain. Oh, that's the mysterious moving obelisk. Three things happen at once. Uh-oh. First, there is a loud click. And all the buildings seem to shift down a fraction of an inch, as if every building locks itself in place. Secondly, there's a double, almost a snap sound, like something mechanical sliding against something else, coming from both of Hakatep's hands, as you notice that the bowl, in essence, the city, can now be lifted out of his hands. Oh. Thirdly, there's a soft hiss of air either escaping from or slipping into the bowl. As you can see, this thin line, this seam around the outside of it pop up. As you hold the bowl, there's a soft clicking, whirling sound as the lid mechanically lifts up and inside you see a small collection of items. Oh, items. Can the bulb actually come out of Hakatep's hands as if we could take it with us now? Oh, yeah. You can now carry it. It is uh, an art piece. You can make it a praise check if you wish to identify. (laughs) I'll take 10 for a 22. Uh, 22. It is an art piece. It is uh, mechanized for both its historical value as well as its complex uh, clockwork mechanics. It is worth 5,000 gold. Nice. It's neat. (laughs) As you pull this down, you look inside. You see that there is a single tablet. Two ancient glass vials and a very complicated looking item. Hmm. The item in question can only be described as it's a strange device about maybe a foot in diameter. It takes up almost the entirety of the inside the central portion of this bowl. As you look it over, it vaguely looks like it looks like a golden sphere about two inches in diameter in the very center covered and etched in magical rooms. This is supported by four, in essence, pins, which branch out into a triangle-shaped, four-sided aperture. Um, Imagine something that looks like a D4, but with four pins that go to the center of it holding up a gold gem. From Uh. each of these points, 
there are concentric rings that surround the outside of it. Masika, as you reach in, you pick it up, you feel this odd sensation. One, there's this odd feeling almost like it's trying to escape you. As you pick it up, it, it's kind of like pushing a, two magnets against one another hmm. and feeling that push away as if somehow it's trying to escape your grasp. It is simultaneously cold and hot. You feel a soft tingle go through your fingertips as you're holding it, like this constant static electricity. Is it magic? Detecting magic. It is overwhelmingly powerful magic. Oh. Artifact. Actually, so are the two vials in there as well. Ooh, vials. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Are they like potion vials? The tablet isn't. Well, they look bigger than potion vials. Oh. Uh, they look like each of them could hold basically about half a cup worth of fluid. Wow. Can I, I, we tell what any of this is? Maybe the tablet says what it is. I'm going to look at the tablet. Yeah, so look at the tablet. Maybe it's Reading. an inventory. Reading is power. <laughs> These will be the labels, the instruction manual. I really hope so. The tablet is not overwhelming magic. Masika probably asking Hollis, can we figure out what this is? Mm. Jasura says from where she stands behind you, that's Hakatep's key. I don't know what it does, but it was something that he carried around almost like a position of office. Mm. From what I understand, it took the combined skills of, again, it almost looks like something clockwork or basically something high tech in design. It took the combined skills of Hakatep, Nahamra, and the architect Chisisek to create it. Mm. What about these vials? Right. I have no idea. No, oh, okay. What's the tablet say? I picked up the tablet to look at it. Uh, what do you get taking 10 on Spellcraft? Uh, 34. 14. <laughs> Looking over this tablet. Uh, first off, this tablet weighs 5 pounds. However, it does function like a scroll. Oh, wow. Despite weighing 5 pounds. It's a heavy scroll. The scrolls, uh, the text in the scroll is extraordinarily dense, as in essence, it does contain uh, eight pages worth of text. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Eight level spell? What? What do we got here? The front of this is a scroll of greater planar binding. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. The back of this contains a list of 333 names. Oh my gosh. True names? I you bet believe they, they are. may in fact be true names. They wow. are divided into four categories labeled earth, air, fire, water. Wow. Wow, that's a find. Wow. Like those true names alone are worth a small fortune. Wow. I mean, again, this is potentially, this is probably the power level that was used to summon. It would have required greater planar, planar binding to probably have called Tefnaju to begin with. So this is something along that level. If one Crazy. of these is Tefnaju's true name, you don't know. Well, he's not going to tell us. No. no. Well, no. Would this be like a list of all the ones that are here? That's kind of what I was thinking. Could be. It could have been like his secret stash of like, you know, powerful outsiders he could call whenever he needed. Mechanically speaking, this would let you summon and bind anything shy of like, I mean, this would easily let you summon and bind any elder earth elemental of what you think many of these names probably are. Uh, feasibly even up to something like a planetar as far as like other angelic or uh, beings are concerned. Basically anything shy of a pit fiend. Dang. Wow. Jeez. That's crazy. I mean, you'd have to have the, the requisite, you know, stuff to do the deal, but yeah. Because I think, don't you have to like bribe them or whatever with some items or something. I think with greater planar binding, you're just like, F you. Not if they fail the will safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I don't want to know if we want to risk that. <laughs> We're desperate, but not maybe that desperate. I'm pretty anti-binding people against their will, but I will keep the yeah. scroll to make sure nobody else uses it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm anti-binding people against their will, but just in case. Well, I don't want nobody else to find it, and we can't sell it because then somebody will use it, and, you know, that's bad. Yeah. So, mechanically speaking, this would allow you to summon up to 18 hit die of outsiders. <laughs> or one outsider with 18 or fewer hit die. Wild. Can you summon one and make it binding something like, hey, just help us defeat Hogatep, and then we have some backup later, and it's oh, I mean, not yeah, like you're here forever or something? I mean, I know they still technically get a saving throw, but we can make the deal as nice, as you know, lenient as we want, can't we? Yeah, I mean, you can make the deal as reasonable as you want. Feasibly, if you use this to summon a powerful outsider, you could try to make as reasonable of a deal as possible. Yeah. Again, in, in Tefna's use case, he even stated that the idea of seeing them use this magic to tear earth from sky which is antithetical to everything he believes in being an earth elemental yeah like that was tempting for him that's part of the reason that he agreed to it and also the all the treasure he was offered yeah because i'm just saying summoning an 18 hit die outsider as some backup <laughs> against hakatep i i think part of the challenge though it. is are those names annotated with like what they are no they're just divided into the various categories. Okay, so there's no way to know what we'd be getting if it was a genie or if it was an elder earth elemental. If you summon somebody from air, it would take care of people that fly. Yeah. You have options. Masika plops down her four piece onto the ground, crosses her legs, pulls out her brick of 250 gold piece incense, <laughs> tosses the four uh, four pieces of ivy ivory on the ground, and does vision on this. <laughs> I mean, we could okay. do that. Okay, you're going to do that right here. Oh, yeah, I, I like that the rest of us are just like, oh, there she goes again. We're going to have I'll so much sand. It, okay. Masika lives in a desert. Yeah, she's probably just going to see if she knows any of these names while you're doing that, I guess. Very well. Well, just sort of you're in for a treat. Watch this. All right, I'm going to cast Vision. Um, it's oh, like um, legend lore, blah, blah, blah. I was just going to say, as far as the names are concerned, by the way, each of them are written in the native tongue for the people so that you get the pronunciation correct, which is necessary. So Oren, ah. Aquan, Ingen, and Terran. All right, hey, fine, I'll to prepare, like, comprehend languages later. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, Sudi what are you going to have the DC on this be, since I have the thing right in front of me and I know it's Hakatep's key? Yeah, I mean, you have the object on hand. It's DC 20. So, yeah, cast your level check. DC 20. Shouldn't be too hard for you. Better than 50, no, 50 I rolled a, I rolled a 12, so I get a 26 because we're 14th level, so. Okay. Nice. So you settle in. Light up your block of incense. Spin the little pieces. I don't know why, but I always just picture them as like little ivory carved figurines of like falcon heads and <laughs> jackal heads and all the rest of that stuff. It's like a little like scorpion looking one. Yeah, or a little like flat <laughs> tablets of the gods. Casting vision. You stare down at this device sense its power, sense its history. Feel the amount of attention poured into this. For the briefest of moments, you hold this in your hands, almost levitating from your fingertips as it seems to again be trying to escape you as you hold it. And feel like you're surrounded by four figures. Ooh. The towering figure identical to the statue behind you. Standing to your left, to your right, a smaller, thin man. Younger, piercing gaze that you associate with Chisisek. Ahead of you for a moment, you feel like you see this elderly priest, shaven head, wrapped in this cloak of leopard fur and black and white robes. And then ahead towards your left, an almost ancient woman with a mane of white hair, her wrinkled face pinched in a look of disgust, 
wearing the blue and white robes of the Shori. And as you hold this device, you know that this is the Pharaoh's key. The device's primary use is as an activation item. As you contemplate this, you can almost see this massive disc of bronze staring like the pupil of an eye from the trenches up into the sky above with a single depression exactly one foot in diameter in the very center of it. You are also aware, however, that this is a defensive item. Any individual holding it gains protection against any elemental creatures as long as it is held in one hand. Ooh, that's why you had it on him all the time, because he knew he ticked off a bunch of elementals. Mm-hmm. Anyone holding this gains a plus five deflection bonus to AC and a plus five resistance bonus on all saving throws against attacks made by creatures with the elemental subtype. Huh. In addition, while the Pharaoh's key is held in hand, the bear's attacks ignore any damage reduction possessed by a creature with the elemental subtype. Wow. Yeah, it's the it's the Pharaoh's key. It'll activate the uh, the disc. Um, it's also a d- defensive magical item against elementals. Hmm. It gives you some protection against their attacks and uh, lets you hurt them regardless of what type of elemental they are. Which well. is probably why it feels like it's trying to get away from me. Hmm. Would you rather I hold it for you then? I mean, I, I'm not planning on going toe to toe with any elementals. Sudi's probably going to be the one that has to use it, though. Mm. That's true. I mean, if it if it gives me any kind of uh, aid against them, yes. Especially the <laughs> physical. That's what's so interesting about this. He's like, it doesn't seem like Hakotep would need it because he has all the magic, right? Yeah, you always run out of magic sometime. Huh? Maybe. Maybe he'll hand it over to Sudi. Sudi takes the thing. Does it try to run away from Sudi's hand? Uh, specifically, no. Hey. Because, again, you're not an elemental. Cool. I guess I'll do the vials in the morning. All right. I guess we'll take them with us. In addition to that, Masika, you are also aware of how to destroy this if you want to. Oh, no. We're going to use it. We can destroy it after that. Uh, Yeah, this one isn't, like, necessarily, like, Well, don't tell Paulus that you're going to destroy it after that. But you could. Yeah. To destroy the Pharaoh's key, it must be fed to a mythic elemental. Who must oh. then be slain hey. by a disintegrate. Oh, dang. I was oh, going to say, beckon well, Tofra, but I don't want to kill I was him. Like, I was like, we've got one of those. <laughs> I'd just be like, hey, buddy, we brought you a snack. <laughs> but disintegrating him is sad. Yeah, no, we wouldn't want to. Yeah. Well, also, he has to fell the disintegrate. <laughs> yeah, which good luck. Yeah. Unless you oh, just okay. spam disintegrates for a while. While he's trying to kill us with all of his, you know, millions of minor, minor elementals that have all the sand. <laughs> his sand elemental sands. Each of the grains of sand just tries to kill us. <laughs> and the whole waterfall just comes after us. It makes a giant face like in the mummy. Oh. <laughs> Alright, well, we don't know what these vials are, though, so... um. Well, we shouldn't mess with them until we know what they are, so, I mean... Well, we'll I guess them. mission accomplished, because this is the thing that we need, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Before we activate all of this, we have to figure out what's causing that sandstorm, because Tefnaju said that that's not something that he knows anyone of your capable of doing. And we need to get rid of that dinosaur before we call down Hakatep's pyramid and Hakatep's riding around on a giant undead mummy dinosaur. And then we um, also need to go find Nahamra. Yeah, that was what I was going to add, because he might have some information that might help us against Hakatep. I mean, he knew him since he was a boy. Yep, I'd say we leave here and we find Nahamra if it's not time. I don't have any idea what time it is because we've been down here for a while. We're going to have to get through that poison hallway. 
Jasura's gonna be okay, but the rest of us. Mm. Um, remind me, I, I, it doesn't harm you as long as you don't breathe in the gas. Well, and if you have stone skin, yes. And you have stone skin, okay. Yep. I don't have any more resist energies, unless we want to sleep down here, which I guess we could do, but that'd be weird. What time of day is it? We started this early in the morning. It's probably not even I have noon no, yet. It's probably like yeah, lunchtime. It's not quite noon. It's close to about 11 in the morning or so. Because hmm. you guys woke up at dawn, and then you travel for an hour to get here. Heck, less than an hour to get here, because you just flew in your chariot to get over here. And yeah. then you've spent uh, about an hour and a half down here. Well, so early in the morning. I mean, feasible, you guys, I believe, still have that wand of stone skin. Yes. All right, well, I guess Jasura's immune to a bunch of stuff. Does she need any of that for the hallway, or can she just waltz through? Jasura? Um, she might take some damage going through. She's acid-resistant, but not immune. Okay. We have uh, seven charges left on that, so that's enough for all, all of us. Yeah, and Arma cool. gets back in the bag. Back in the bag. It's just for a few minutes. That's fine. I've got my blink. And it dives into the bag. Do you have your immortal scarab, friend? Oh, no. Can we try to grab, grab that off the door before we leave? Yes, we need to grab the immortal scarab because I feel bad for it down here all by itself forever. Mm -hmm. All right, we go <laughs> spend some time gra grabbing this scarab. Mechanically speaking, yes. You can okay. close the door, rotate it back into place, and then the scarab beetle pops back off and then returns to being a living scarab. All right. Give Narmer her scarab friend and hope that Stinger Jr. doesn't try to eat it. I don't even know at this point. Stinger Jr. is definitely going to eat it. And then it'll regenerate the next day back in this uh, room. So, eh. I think it just regenerates wherever it is, probably. Maybe. It's just immortal. Senior, Stinger Jr. has an infinite amount of food. Well, that's just me. I'll and figure I don't out make something. Food. We'll yep. figure out something. Has Stinger yep. Jr. mutated into something weird yet from being in Narmer's chest cavity for months? No. <laughs> Nothing weird. He just faintly glows. He'd probably have radiation poisoning. Oh my. All right. We'll give Narmer the little scarab beetle and then we'll get out of here. All right. Awesome. Um, I'm going to call you Scary. What? Scary the scarab. Okay. <laughs> ha. Nice. All right. So is there anything we can do to figure out what the heck is up with this sandstorm? Because, I mean, we're to the point where we can't go find that dinosaur today. And I feel like. Ew. If we can try to figure out what's going on with this sandstorm, because we have to wait till night to go find Nahamra. Not really, unless there's a divination that you're capable of using to try to determine something about it. We'll just go walk into the sandstorm and just call, Hello, So where's the person you, who's causing this? You pull out the wand. You cast stone skin on each of you. Make your way back through. Uh, do me a favor and uh, go ahead and give me a will save from the party. Uh-oh. Does Narmer need to make one? Nope. Calls rolls an 11 for a 22. Sudi rolls a 10 for a 24. Masika rolls a 9 for a 27. Uh, Citra is miraculously rolling really well today. <laughs> rolled a 19 for a 30. Why you gotta jinx yourself like that? I'm self-deprecating, so it hopefully doesn't do anything. <laughs> so yeah, you make your way back through the tomb, make your way up to the the passage that leads into the the ochre tunnels, and uh, dive into the, the mist, protected as you are now by the stone skin effect from the wand. Navigate your way, following back along. You can either walk back the way that you initially came, or walk the other direction that you were supposed to come down that bypasses all the traps. You've disabled all the traps, so you think you're fine. Unless Citra made a mistake and one of them reset. After a long, winding pass, you step back free to find yourselves once again in the uh, under the gaze of the enigmatic statue of Nahamra as you step back into the entry chamber. 
little part of Citra wants to like look at the statue and be like, "We got your bowl." <laughs> She's not going. What to a do weird that, thing to but... do. <laughs> you step back out into the uh, the light of day, diffuse and orange as it is through the sandstorm that blows through here. Hey. After a long moment, kind of hovering at the entry, Jasura steps out in this this uncomfortable way. The only thing that you can imagine as if made immediately, possibly due to her long confinement, given some form of agoraphobia, mm. as just this, like, the sheer openness of this place, even down in the canyon, such as you are seemingly dauntingly around her. A towering figure materializes out of the sand as the towering form of Tefnishu steps up towards all of you. Sweet. He inclines his head. Looks past all of you for a long time towards the figure of Jashura before looking back. I assume you are successful. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are indeed. Uh, Tefnaju, do you know Jashura? Only in passing. She looks up towards him, shakes her head. I do not remember you. No, most queens don't remember the help. Okay, Jasura, this is Tefnaju. He's been helping us out here in, in the slave trenches. Um, we're hoping activating it's finally going to release him from the binding Hakatep did on him. I see. Um, you haven't happened to figure out what's going on with this, have you? Missy could gestures up towards the storm. No. I've been keeping an eye out here. And? Quiet as a tomb. Well, we need to figure out what's going on with this sandstorm and find that dinosaur before we try to activate the Tetsukonum. We can't have any interruptions. The Tribeater could be anywhere. Hopefully far away from here. Yeah, we're not really in the best shape to fight him right now. You could attempt to track him down, but with the sandstorm going, that would be difficult without powerful divinatory magics. Well, I can try a divination, see if that can at least point us in the right direction. And then tonight we need to go try to find Nahamra. Again, all I can tell you on that is I've mostly seen him on the eastern portions of the trench. I'm just wondering why he's here, because I thought he was... Exiled. Who knows? Maybe this is where he came. After his exile. I suppose. If you're in need of a safe place to rest. Yes, please. I can take you to my bastion. It's not far. Alright, let's head that way. Jasira pauses. I don't want to stay here. Uh, you might need to elaborate. I want to leave this place. The trenches? The trenches. Perhaps this country. But we can help you with that a little later. I do not belong here. Uh, I would like to go. There's a little more that I can help you, and I do not wish to face him. He had a power over me in life, and now I am something more akin to what he is comfortable controlling. She gestures a hand in the direction of Tefnaju. Well, we are not your captors. No, but we are responsible. I don't know if there's a way we can... No offense, but make sure that you don't spread plague to people. I have years of experience in being cautious. Yes, but you, you, you've also been inside of, of uh, you've been a captive for a very long time, and you're very new to this form, and I would be worried about having you out there without help. And the world is real different. It's very different. I would like to sense motive. On I you. do too. I want to sense motive. Yeah, you may sense motive, so wish. Although I'm sure she just wants to leave, which I get, but also... Conveniently timed. 
Well, no, it's a little bit like unleashing a locust plague on an unsuspecting neighboring country. Um, yeah, I don't roll great. I roll a three for 17. I rolled an eight for a 17. I freaking, apparently I'm just rolling nothing but 19s today, uh, which is awesome, but also it just makes me think whatever next fight is, I'm going to get rolls ones. Uh, But I rolled a 19 for a 37. No, you legitimately get the impression that she just wants to be gone from this. The impression that you're getting from her is that the combination of both the memories of what has transpired here, as well as like the constant reminders of everything that is her previous life. What? What if I sent you to my tribe? The, the wise women there might be able to help you. And once you've gotten past Acclimated. some of the problems from your confinement, then you can go wherever you want. But at least then you won't be on your own. And they're very powerful divine spellcasters. They might be able to help you. Help you find a home. They travel the desert, but not anywhere near here. And there's nothing out there that they're going to run across that's going to remind you of Hakatep or anything going on way out here. If I send you with a letter, they'll let you stay. She looks over all of you, looks up towards the sky, the orange clouds overhead. I would take your letter and accept your hospitality, but there is something I wish to do first. When I'm done, perhaps I can return to your people. Uh, what do you need to do? You tell me that Ko has fallen from the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wish to see it. Oh my god, I want to see it too. Can I go with you? I know we got a mission. Perhaps um, when I find it, I can reach back out to you. I enjoy your company, and I owe you a great debt. And I am not one to forget my debts, positively or negatively. Masika will duck back into the vault, just so there's no wind and sand, and just pin a quick letter of, hey... Just, this is my friend, Jasura. She's had some trauma. Careful please, about touching her. Please Don't help her. her. <laughs> you know, you'll need parapets. Parapets of health would be a good thing for y'all to make real quick. Gloves are great. Give her give her some gloves, you know? I like, make real quick these couple thousands of gold worth of items. <laughs> you know, she's an expert in diseases. She might actually be able to help out the tribe if people start getting sick again blah 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 and get in you know just in case Masika's not there by the time she comes back yeah, meanwhile Hollis will tell her everything she knows about where Ko is and be like okay so you can message me back when you know where it is because I want to go there next like <laughs> we make these plans well as Masika is doing this and Hollis is carrying on this conversation Tefnaju kind of looks over her looks down towards Sudi and Taryn I think that this is a terrible idea Sudi will look up it may be but it's a bargain struck we she promised to aid us, and in exchange she gets her freedom. She was imprisoned. And tortured for thousands of years. She's more than served a sentence of punishment for anything she might have done in her previous life. Perhaps she seeks redemption. I do not know. Mm. And these are your people, not mine. So I will trust that you will do what you feel is best. I simply wish to voice my concern. You are not alone in your concern. We have our reservations as well, but everyone needs a second chance. And I think hers is right now. Now she can start a new life if that's what she wants. To be fair, Sudi is going to live forever. He'll hunt her down if she causes trouble. But yeah, behind the scenes, Sudi can always just hunt her down later. I don't really want to do that. I don't think I would, you know, Sudi's not going to like let her out if he knew she was an imminent threat. But Mm -hmm. he also is one of those second chance kind of people. That's true. That's true. So this is very Sudi. 
I have voiced my concerns. <laughs> Sudiel just nods sagely. You make your way back over. You know, Hollis just has been kind of like nodding along to you through most of this. Mostly it's just like the even the diffuse sun on her skin she seems to be basking in. Even the sandblasted wind she seems to be reveling in. Just the the difference, the escape. Her fear of the open quickly seeming to dissipate. She takes the letter from Masika. Masika hugs her and makes a fortitude save. Make a fortitude save. But Masika will lean forward and grab her in a hug. Hollis tips <laughs> her hat. That's what Hollis does. <laughs> Masika rolls a 15 for a 23. But yeah, she will lean forward and give her a big hug. Be careful. I've never experienced kindness like that which you've offered me. Well, everybody deserves a second chance. I think what they did to you is abhorrent. No one deserves that. I second that. Mm-hmm. I will find all of you again once I have made my way to Co, and ensure that none of those who mistreated me exist, hmm. living or dead, any longer. Masika nods. There's uh, directions to the parched dunes and the general way my people travel in there. Thank you. How- However, as strong as your need for vengeance is, don't let the cruelty of the world that still is take you a step back. Remember this. There are people like us, but there are a lot of people who aren't as well. And you can't let those people steer you away from what you are trying to achieve. She nods, smiles. Sudiel shake her hand. May you find the peace that you seek. And may you find victory. I hope we do, or else I guess you'll be uh, having to be the backup team. I mean, keep an eye on the skies. If you see some pyramids falling, we probably did okay. It's true. I hope you are right. And do not sell yourself short. Your kindness and generosity are uncommon. 6,000 years I've experienced it once. I'll go now. She floats up into the air, kind of like willing her arms a little bit as she's just trying to get used to the sensation of flying. <laughs> we all wave. She sells up into the sky. Well, I hope she doesn't murder everyone she comes in contact with. Oh, this might have been a really bad yep. idea. You guys have to have faith. She deserves the second chance, first I'm not saying she doesn't deserve the second chance, but she also can literally give disease with her touch. She just has, she, she has to be careful is what I mean. Well, and yes, not lose herself in a sense of bloodthirsty vengeance. rage when she sees Ko again. Yes. Well, and if she, well, yeah. goes back to her old ways, we will stop her. It's our responsibility now. That's what I meant before, is that yes, we're not her captors, but we are responsible for setting her free. And if she goes and kills a bunch of innocent people, that's on us. Mm. You're not wrong. I would have rather her gone to the Parched Dunes first and maybe worked out some of her trauma before she moved on to Co, because that's going to be a whammy. I don't think anybody lives in Co. I mean, I don't really know. Wait, you weren't certain that there's nobody in Co? I don't know. Do I know anything about Co? I think I know, like, Co existed. I don't know if there's a modern-day Co. I think it's kind of like as Lonty ruins. Like, it's Yeah, like, just Hollis the... might know, but Jessica doesn't know if Hollis knows. <laughs> That's a weird way to say that. Uh, I'll let you make a knowledge geography. Okay, I have a pretty good knowledge geography. All right, I rolled a 17... Plus my 19 is a 20, a 36. A 36. Mm -hmm. All you're really familiar with with the city of Co, as far as like the modern city of Co. Mm -hmm. 
uh, is that the ruins are located within the Mongi Expanse, and there are a number of uh, Umoto tribal villages around it. Okay. But from what you understand, they avoid the ruins entirely. Actually, going to the ruins is a taboo for any of the tribe members there. Oh, that's Makes good. sense. No, no, they'll be fine. There's some tribes, but like they avoid them ruins because it's like a big taboo not to go there and whatnot. So it should be fine. As an interesting side note, that tribe sees a disproportionate number of sorcerers. Ha! <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Well, shall we? Uh, I guess we shall. And uh, hopefully we haven't unleashed problem on the world. We can always send her a message later. See how it's now, going. As to our current predicament, how are we going to track anyone in this sandstorm? Assuming there's somebody that's making this. Tefnaju you mentioned uh, incredible divinatory magic. But I think we were going to his abode for right now. Yeah, maybe we can trade spellbooks or slash tablets. That might be a fun thing to do this afternoon. Alright, well, I think I could use a rest. Do you have some teleportation abilities still remaining to you? I have one dimension door. It should at least allow you and your companions to get into my home. Follow me. It's not far. Oh, right, because you don't have any doors. You're just kind of like, shoop. He just earth glides through it. Mm -hmm. He leads you from there. From where you are, assuming that you're using the chariot, it's not a very far trek. It's only about two miles away, so using the chariot, you can make it there in about 15 minutes. A little so bit more difficult with the sandstorm, but, uh, but it's passing not by like another stopping us, like blowing us out of the sky or anything. No, particularly as once you can get up to the top of the trenches, you can ride along it, and then you can get back mm -hmm. down to the trenches. You only have to hop one wall to make your way there. Passing by another one of the obelisks as you make your way. Mm. Cool. Fun. Uh, this one being the obelisk of Osiris. Oh, uh, Citra Osiris. will probably pause and give a prayer because that's who she follows. Anyone that wishes to may make me an old religion if they so wish. I will take 10 Yay. for a 34. I can't even roll that high with a perfect 20, so I will do nothing. Oh, I don't have it. Uh, yeah, again, it's a obelisk dedicated to the god Osiris. In this case, specifically dedicated to his power over the transition of death to, into life. Huh. Interesting. All right. From there, you make your way back down and then continue along, following along a long road that acts as one of the kind of the barrier walls or spokes radiating off from the eye that is the sun disk in this western portion of the trenches. Eventually you arrive at the very end of this to a place that honestly seems to be unremarkable compared to everything else that you've gone through up until this point. Until you begin to approach closer to it, you see a wide semicircular alcove has been sculpted into the trench wall. The stone here is darker and smoother when compared to the surrounding alcove, while the floor is polished and spotless. There look to be three windows carved into the wall here, and yet their stone surfaces are opaque, appearing to be nothing more than decoration, and two stone chairs are carved out of the earth in the ground near the edge of this indentation. Cool. They made like a little porch for themselves. Yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. Yep. One of these is large, as in capital L, large size. Mm. And you're going to guess is comfortably Tefnishu's. The other seems almost comedically small next to it. Aww. Being a regular sized chair. Aww. Okay. All right. As you begin to approach closer to it, you can tell that these this looks to be a wall of pure black granite. <laughs> Tefnishu nods as you begin to approach it. Welcome to my home, or as my beloved calls it, my bastion. 
I mean, looks lovely. Is... How thick's the wall? <laughs> well, we can't go in until I got it. I don't want to miss guess. The foyer would probably be the best, the best place for you. Mm. He steps into the shadow here, as all of you, I suppose, fall protected mm-hmm. from the wind. As you can kind of look out and see the wind blowing through the, the canyon beyond. Although within here, you're at least somewhat protected. He steps forward, if you don't mind. Places one of his shovel-sized hands on the back of Hollis's you know, shoulders. Turns her to face a direction in the alcove. Mm-hmm. 35 feet forward. Straight All forward. Right. Okay, straight forward, 35. Come, come. She puts her arms out and like waves for everyone to come over to her. Group so hug. I'll meet you there. He steps past you and this straight into the wall like it is water. Yeah, give him a second to make sure we don't arrive before him because that'd be weird. And then I'll dimension Doris 35 feet directly ahead. Taking his directions. He put us in a wall and we're all dead. Now that'd be funny. (laughs) Ah, gotcha. He's playing the long con. (laughs) The bigger issue is, is there any air in there? Enough for a little while. You step forward. There's this jolt sensation as you step from one position to the others. You pass through this purple door. I'm assuming all of you making your way through. Yes. You emerge into a chamber rather spacious. Over 30 feet wide, maybe over 40 feet long. Ah, large-sized creatures. Houses are so big. Yep. The chamber's a simple study. Gemstones stud the surrounding, otherwise black walls and ceiling, giving it almost the perception that you're standing inside the void of space. Cool. Cool. Each one of these gemstones softly glows, where their collective lambience equals that of almost a full moon night or a starlit eve. Rad. A metal desk, large enough for all of you to walk under without ducking, <laughs> stands wow. on the far end of the room, while off towards the side lies an uninviting-looking bed. <laughs> it's mattress made of stone and lacking of any pillows or blankets or comforts of any kind. I mean, okay. Elementals, I guess. A half dozen waist-sized sculptures of unusual rock formations decorate this room as the only form of, you suppose, decoration or warmth to this chamber. And a strange crystal bottle sits in a sconce off towards the far right-hand side. Oh, I bet that's a bottle of air. Tefnizu nods as you enter. Make yourselves as comfortable as you can. Hmm. I'll let Avira know that you're here. Oh, excited. Is that a bottle of air? Hollis. Yes, you'll be taken care of while you're here. <sighs> Excellent. Wonderful. It's not rude. You got to know if you can breathe. Uh, any of those of you who wish, by the way, may make a knowledge local. Hmm. Don't have it. <laughs> uh, I rolled a two for a 19. I rolled a nine for a 29. Okay, that's probably pretty good. I can make sugar roll if neither of us know anything. Oh, I do let sugar out because she's probably tired of being stuffed in that box. Okay. With a 29, you recognize some of these formations. Hmm. Do I? It looks like these rocks had been shaped or somehow carved into shapes. A sculptor's equivalent of a painter painting local landmarks. (laughs) Ah, okay. Fair enough. After a moment, Tefnaju returns, this time accompanied by a woman. The woman in question has skin that is the same shade of black as the surrounding granite walls. Mm. It seems to have a texture you're going to guess very similar to that. She wears a long flowing gown of red silk, sashed in the center with this blue and white, basically sash, complete with a second wrap around over her shoulders and then forming up into a hood that covers the top of her head. 
the lower portion of her face obscured by a veil which hangs down. The woman you guess probably stands at about maybe just under six feet. Hmm. Okay. She smiles, or at the very least you get the impression that she does from the faint portion of her lower face that you can see behind the veil and inclines her head. It is not often that we entertain. It's very nice to meet you. Yeah, Hollis takes off her hat. Sudi like pops off his mask. Thank you for their hospitality. Masika waves. I had spoken with my husband and hospitality is the least that we can offer you if you are offering him the freedom that I so enjoy. I'm Avaria. I'm Hollis. I'm Masika. This is Narmer. Oh, right. I'm Sudi. And I'm Citra. Make yourselves comfortable. Uh, we don't often entertain guests. I, I doubt many people are making their way out here for uh, company, usually for more nefarious reasons. No, we don't see many people out here that are here for anything good. And the others, of course, I kill. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like, yep. Yeah, yeah Masika's like, eh, I mean, fair. And uh, I guess tries to find somewhere to sit. That's There aren't really any chairs. Yeah. She'll find we a spot of floor, floor that looks good. Well then, um, happy to have you here. Uh, unfortunately, I did not know I was expecting anyone, so I cannot provide much as far as sustenance is concerned. Although being travelers, I'm certain that you are used to far less accommodating places to rest. Yeah. Recently, mm -hmm. it's been a, a slight improvement, thanks to Hollis. Oh yeah, magic makes everything better. Well, I would not say that. We are in this whole predicament because of magic. Uh, it is the they, it's both the, cause the creator and, and the solution. To all of yeah. life's problems, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking that of, is... if y'all want to do a spell swap, I haven't done a spell swap in forever. There are so many sorcerers out here. Perhaps after you rest, if you wish, you may see my spells. They are in another chamber, though. And you can see mine, too. And we'll see what we got. Maybe you can, you know, we'll do some bartering. Well, once you rest up, perhaps there is a means by which I can assist you further. But again, it comes into the difficulty of navigating these chambers when you're not able to simply pass through the walls. Hmm. Well, what do you mean? I have a means by which to scry here. You may be able to use that to track this individual or even the dinosaur, if you so wish, and make your task ahead somewhat easier. That would definitely be helpful. It would save us a lot of time in trying to look the old-fashioned way. Mm -hmm. But they don't need doors, so we have to be able to get through the wall to the other room. If mm. one of you would like, I could take you there. Mm. Well, I mean, Hollis is our resident magic. Yeah, but Masika does the... Wizard. The, the, it depends Divinatory? on what kind of a situation is happening, but... I could carry up to three of you to another room if you so wish. Oh, we can both go then. All right, well, let's see if we can figure out what's going on with this sandstorm. Yep. We have to deal with it and the dinosaur before activating this place. Well, if you okay. wish to link hands. Awesome. We link hands. She glances over towards Citra. Yes, I'll stay here. Very well. I'll have fun. Uh, We'll return shortly, but um, she makes her way over towards the wall, retrieves the jar. Jar? We only have the one means by which to provide air, so <laughs> ah. we'll return before it runs out. We should bring Citra. Uh, you guys should just go, and I can hold my breath for like a really, really it's long time. It's a big room. It's not like the second she we leave the room with the bottle, it's going to be like a I vacuum. Know. It's still. Maybe we bring Citra. Um, uh, being... You know, I'm human, and I'm the only human here, so I think I might uh, 
follow the air. <laughs> I, mean, I like air too, but also, you know, you're studying. You got to come and have these, we'll call it a field trip. Fair enough. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. You can always hide in a wall or something if it goes sideways, Sudi. I mean, also this, yes. If you would like to stay, Sudi, I don't know if you're able to speak with the stones, but the stones here have phenomenal stories to tell. Wait, wait, wait. Does Narmer want to stay now? <laughs> oh, man, story time. I do get to use uh, once per day. I can communicate with rock and stone as if using stone tell. Yes. You could ask will... the rocks who this sandstorm person is. As a, as a fun side note, these rocks, Avaria has collected from every continent on this planet. What? Wow. So cool. Shaped them into cool shapes, but each of them can, quote, they're harvested by Avaria, who, unlike Teftiju, is not bound to the slave trenches, so they can provide an interesting variety of commentaries when stone tell is used to speak with them. That's so cool. Most cool. would find what these stones have to say dull and uninteresting, but Tefnaju and Avaria constantly find new delights in conversing with the sculptors. Sculptures. That's so cool. That's so cool. Sudi wants to do awesome. that. Awesome. Sudi will do this. Sudi's having yeah. a great time now. Especially this one. It comes from Sarasan. So if you want to know the ancient secrets of that distance. Oh my god. Sudi oh would like to learn Paula the secrets of an ancient and looks place. Back. <laughs> I can I, I I can go do the scrying if you want to talk to the rock. No, I need to breathe, but. Sudi, you write down the stories, Sudi. Pretend you All mean right. ask the questions, Sudi. All right, I'll listen to the stories and write them down. All right, very good. I make no promises that it's legible. She can always look at your memories later. It's fine. That's true. That's also, oh, that yeah. might be easier. <laughs> I forgot you had that. That might be easy. Oh, well, it's only a minute at a time. It's kind of, anyway, all right. Yeah, Sudi's gonna gonna spend, uh, what level are we? 14, 14 minutes listening to the stories. They have some listening. cool stories to tell you. Wow, yeah, I can speak with natural or worked stone with stone tell. That's cool. Yeah, you could have oh, asked yeah, the yeah. stones a lot of questions about a lot of things at this I point. I could have been doing a lot of stone telling. <laughs> like, hey, you seen that dinosaur lately? Spared no expense. So then, Averia would grab your hands, open up a dimension door, take all of you through them. Ah, oh, rad. Such a good spell. Depositing you into a hexagonal, an uneven hexagonal chamber. Mm-hmm. A wall off towards your left, a wall off towards your right. Two walls branching off at angles of close to about 15 to 20 degrees for about 25 feet before reaching and intersecting with two other walls branching off from the far wall off towards your right. Each of these only about a foot and a half, making this oddly shaped hexagonal chamber. Hmm. Weird. In the center wall off towards the left is a hexagonal crimson metal plate embedded into the wall. A simple prayer mat rests on the floor directly in front of it in this mm. otherwise empty room. Tefnaju joins you a second later as he walks free from the wall. This is my scrying plate. Nice. And I use it if I run into any issues. Mm. How's it work? He steps forward. It's designed specifically to only work for elemental beings such as myself or perhaps Masika. Hollis like waves at Masika. Like, go, go. <laughs> I guess Masika will step forward, see if it's going to work. I'll I want to take notes. Reaching out, placing a hand on it. Mechanically speaking, uh, yes, this will work for you, Masika, because you actually have an elemental bloodline. Rad. hey I would also work go. for any sorcerer with an elemental bloodline or mm -hmm. anything like that. Gang sorcerer preferences. Yep. Uh, in addition to that, uh, feasibly someone with used magic device could emulate it and make it work oh, for okay. them as well. All right. Well, Masika doesn't have to make rolls, so she's the right choice. Uh, this functions identical to a crystal ball. Cool. And it allows you to scry as per the scrying spell uh, multiple times per day. Hmm. So you don't have to have like the scrying spell prepped. No. It basically lets you use the scrying spell. Although every time that you use it to scry an additional time, the DC to resist the, 
the scrying effect goes down. Mm. Ah, okay. Do we need to know anything about the person in the sandstorm, or can we just like generally be like that sandstorm guy? So, in essence, you have to know something. You either have to have a name or even a familiarity, have seen them, et cetera, et cetera. As far as the individual in the sandstorm, it's going to be very difficult because you don't know anything other than the fact that someone may or may not be creating the sandstorm. So go with the uh, the dinosaur first, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'll try to find the dinosaur. Yep. You don't know the subject well. However, you do have firsthand experience with the <laughs> oh, subject. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we do. Some of, some of us have been intimately acquainted with and, certain and parts I know of its anatomy. its name. And in fact, you do know its name. Feasibly, since you do have Citra with you, I would allow Citra to make a craft painting, I believe you have. Yeah. If you have painting supplies. I do, yes. Because uh, if you have a likeness or a picture of the individual. Do a quick sketch. So if you do wish to make a, a craft check, you may do so to make a likeness for Masika to focus on. Uh, certainly. I rolled a 12, which gets me a 32. Okay. If we had the little statue, you could have used that. Yeah, it takes about 30 minutes. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you don't have the statue anymore. But it takes you about 30 minutes to paint a, a pretty good approximation. Hand that over towards Masika, who just kind of looks at this, looks back down, looks at this, holds up a hand, places it to the this crimson plate of metal. Masika, as you touch this, you feel this tingle run through your fingers. I'll go ahead and make a will save here. The metal ripples like water. And in a strange reverse, if you can imagine, you know, a clear pool of water and dropping a single drop of red or blood into it. It's almost the reverse, like a red pool of water of which you drop a single clear point into it where your finger touches and it ripples out and then becomes sharper, revealing this blowing sandstorm a distance away, a short distance away, because again, it's a scrying eye where you're seeing here as if you're looking out. You can see the edge of a massive disc of red. Oh, it's just waiting for us at the disc because it knows we're going to have to go there. As you look down, it takes you a long moment to see because all there is is from the sandstorm, this built-up mound of sand. And for a moment, it shifts slightly as you can just see the long snout of the dinosaur just perched like a cat behind a couch waiting patiently for someone <laughs> so to So rude. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. We're definitely killing it from but afar hey, this time, though. I'm just waiting for you. I can't. <laughs> I can't really either, but, I mean, I can do 1d8 point, plus 1 points of damage with my plus 1 crossbow. And that's not going to do anything. Masika yep. frowns. I don't like that it's smart. Well, maybe it'll be dead soon, like real dead. But as you look down through this mirror at this thing, kind of pan around looking over the, uh, the surrounding area, getting a, trying to get your best idea on like what side of the sun disk this thing is waiting on. So you don't just happen to stumble across it if you walk up there again. You see something here that doesn't match the rest. Hmm. Ooh, cone in on that, you know, like when you have a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom and enhance. <laughs> this episode brought to you by the sharper image. <laughs> yep. I imagine Citra Hollis, you flank Masika on the other side, look into the, the mirror as you stare into this uh, this whirl of orange and red that is the sandstorm outside. There's a smudge of black. Mm. As you watch, it almost looks like a black cloud moving against the wind. 
until it seems to, for lack of a better term, materialize into the shape roughly of a man made of ash and dust two points of glowing light sear from where its eyes should be as it looks up and stares directly into the scrying device Mm. seems to tilt its head for a long moment before turning almost intently as if looking directly to the you think maybe the north and west from where it is alright he knows where where we we are are. I'll pick it up here next time uh oh! 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 Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.